Great. Well, good morning, everyone. Great. Um, it's great to be here. And that's the last time I get to say that. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, uh, and thank you um, again for your kind prayers and words um, over the last couple of weeks, even since October when we said it was happening and then there's been this long period of like, when is it happening? Uh, and now we can say it is happening. Uh, but thank you for all your words and your, your kindness in that. Um, uh, and as uh, I may have said already, I've, I've definitely said it in person to people, uh, we're really going to miss uh, many of you. Uh, I will say all of you as well. We're going to miss all of you. Um, uh, many of you, uh, we've felt part of a family uh, in many ways here. It is one of the most welcoming uh, churches we've been in. That was the first thing uh, that I saw when I walked in. Uh, and it's also the thing I can say now. It is one of the most welcoming places um, uh, that I've encountered. Um, but in the same way, uh, we're massively excited uh, to play our part in what God's, God's doing in Manchester. And God has definitely called us there uh, firmly uh, to do that. Um, uh, and to join with him in bringing people, communities and churches alive uh, in Jesus' name. So do continue to pray for us. Uh, and I, I, I will also, we will also be praying for you. Uh, and I guess um, whenever I've had the experience of someone, someone leaving uh, on any, any uh, occasion, um, it also kind of returns the question to me uh, and says, well, what are you called to right now? Uh, with what you have and where as the Lord, where the Lord has you. Um, because it's fine to say, that's great, James is going up to Manchester, but, but what, what is God asking you to do uh, in, right now uh, here in this city? Anne's just said an amazing prayer. Lord, come and do what only you can do. How is it that we partner with him uh, in that here and now? Because uh, that's quite an exciting prayer to pray, isn't it? Um, so um, uh, be asking yourself that today um, uh, and this week. Uh, ongoing and tell someone what he says and do it. Um, that's kind of how it works. Otherwise, we just think uh, we do navel gazing all the time and we never do anything. Um, so, so this morning, really, we're kicking off a sermon series. Uh, we've called it Turn Your Eyes. Uh, and that um, is uh, our, our first calling, to turn our eyes to Jesus. Before we do anything else, we're called to turn our eyes to him uh, we're called to turn our eyes again to our first love, is what, the way the Bible speaks of it often. Uh, the, the one who has made us whole, the one who has saved us, we turn our eyes again to him. And it's from that place that we then get to see what he's asking us to do. Um, uh, and this series runs uh, through Lent, uh, which is a bit before Easter, and then into Easter. Uh, and Lent, uh, if you don't know, is traditionally the season in the church's year where we take time to prepare for the reality of Holy Week, uh, that week leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus and then the celebration of the fact that he is alive and he rose again that we'll be celebrating on Easter Sunday. Um, uh, and during the 40 days from Ash Wednesday last week, uh, we'll, we ask God to lead us to that cross again, to turn our eyes to what he's done and who he is. Then have him speak back to us, that is who you are. You're called to put your eyes on me, then I then tell you who you are, uh, because I made you and I love you. Uh, and I am that loving father. Um, and in Lent, we want to take time to turn our eyes to God and focus our attention uh, on Jesus. And our series calls us to have uh, five actions that turn our eyes to him. The first one is adore, which is what we'll be looking at this morning. And then we're going to be looking at confess, lament, ask, and invite. 
um, those different ways of turning our eyes to Jesus. Uh, and we're praying that as we turn our eyes to him, as we turn our eyes to Jesus, naturally we turn our eyes to the city. Because Jesus not only has our eyes on us, he has his eyes on every person who he wants to call home to him. So as we fix our eyes on him, naturally it has an outward-looking thing. If we spend time with him, naturally we are going to want to reach the city. And so that's what we're praying for, for God's kingdom to come. Um, so there's a few slides that I've just skipped through. Um, there's a lovely turn your eyes, there you go, wonderful. And the door, Psalm 103. Uh, this morning is where we're going to read. So if you want to turn with me to Psalm 103, it'll be on the screen if not, uh, and I'll read this to us. And this is really a hymn, uh, a hymn of David's, and you can hear it's a hymn of praise, uh, and it goes through the whole motions of having to call himself to worship and rem- remember who God is. Uh, so I really love this psalm. So Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Can you hear that it's like a hymn? It's kind of ramping up as he goes along. And we're going to look at this hymn this morning, the way he kind of ramps it up, but he starts by speaking to his own uh, heart. So let me just take a drink. (laughs) I love that that opening phrase, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name, praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits, Uh, And I'm sure if you've read this before, you get the sense too that David is preaching to himself. Uh, I guess he's singing to himself, really, if it's a hymn. Uh, But he's prodding himself um, uh, uh, to worship, if you like. It almost suggests that there's part of us sometimes, maybe, that forgets. I forget everything. Emily's always saying, I just forget everything. I forget words, I forget names. But maybe sometimes we forget 
to worship and we forget why we worship. We don't, maybe don't forget that God's loving and whatever, but we forget why we worship. And we arrive here on Sunday and it almost feels like we're a bit cold. And it takes us half the service to warm up and then it ends. But David's saying, let's preach to our hearts. Um, remind ourselves, remind our souls that, that, that it's the God, that it's God we worship. And it's often as we do that, that we somehow seem to come alive again. Have you ever noticed that, that it's often in worship where people meet with the Lord? We begin to sense the, the presence of God in a room. Um, and that's a two-way thing. We're remembering him, but he's making the first move to us. He's coming and revealing himself afresh. As we sing those songs, he meets with us and he makes us new. Um, uh, uh, and as we preach to ourselves in every season, uh, he brings us alive. Um, uh, and to be honest, uh, let's face it, we don't um, come alive by refusing to sing and having our arms folded in protest. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, that's not generally how we come alive. Unfold your arms, Adrian, on the front row. Um, <laughs> Uh, there, are, there are times when, uh, when I don't feel like worship. Um, I, I don't know about you, when I, I'm, I'm the associate vicar and I turn up on a Sunday, I'm like, oh, not that song again, flipping heck. What are we doing here? Um, uh, and on a good day, because I'm not always having a good day, on a good day, uh, I try to choose um, uh, in those moments to raise my hands. And I often think I'm raising my hand at a really weird moment. But I'm just choosing, you know, oh, I'll go like this. And I'll go, Lord, just, just come, come and remind me of something. Because I'm not, I'm not feeling this this morning. Uh, and I, I realise that with that mentality, if I waited forever to feel like it, David's telling us we're not going to get there. We're not going to get to the place where I'm feeling this. He's saying, preach to your hearts. Remember the truth of who God is and what he's done. And it's from that place that we begin to encounter him. Um, to praise or to bless, depending on the translation that you read uh, this in, uh, means to say good things about the Lord in a spirit of admiration and gratitude and wonder. So David prods himself, if you like. I would say prod your neighbour, but I don't know if you know your neighbour, so it's fine. But David prods himself repeatedly. Bless the Lord's soul. He's speaking to himself. Remember his benefits, speak of his wonders, tell of his greatness. Then after two verses of self-prodding, follow 17 reasons for blessing the Lord. From verses 3 to 17, benefits that David has not forgotten because he's stirring it up within himself again. Things about God that he cherishes and that make his soul bless the Lord again. In fact, by the time he gets to the end of pouring out that praise and adoration to God, uh, it's no longer uh, enough to simply stir himself. Uh, it goes wider than that. Um, he begins to call forth the praise from angels. I don't know if you notice that in verse 20. He's like, come on, praise the Lord, you angels. Come on. And then he goes further than that. He, he, he goes to all creation, verse 22. He's calling all creation to bring adoration to the Lord. It's gone beyond me and my experience, beyond me and my church service to angels, come on, praise the Lord. The whole of creation, praise the Lord. And what we see here is worship, that intimate place of remembering who God is, where he comes and meets with us, is fundamentally missional. It's fundamentally outward looking in nature. It's expansive. It's joining God in calling all things to life. 
Because that's what he does. If we remember him, if we spend time with him, it won't take us long to realise that that's who he is and what he does. I think it's sad when maybe sometimes me or you or we think that, that Sunday morning is the culmination of worship. And somewhere this is the pinnacle right now. Rather, it's so much more expansive simply from reading this psalm. As we join in, we're drawn into something that God is doing in renewing everything. Definitely renewing me and you. But as we see in David, as he reminds himself, he's just, he's drawn to look beyond. He's drawn to look at his city, wherever he was at this point, at his nation and at the world and go, all creation, come on. But notice what comes first. Um, it has to be from that place of overflow, uh, from a place of praise, from a constant, my soul, bless the Lord, daily. My soul, bless the Lord. Come on, remember what he's done, who he is. Remember, therefore, why I am here. Worship is the total alignment of our heart, mind, and strength with the will of God. It is our wholehearted response to God's extravagant love and mercy. Are you feeling it this morning? Or do you need to preach to yourself again and remember what he's done? If you're anything like me, you probably need to do some preaching to yourself. William Temple said this, worship is a submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness, nourishment of mind by his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, and submission of will to his purpose. And all this gathered up in adoration is the greatest of human expressions of which we are capable. If we want to be truly human, we have to worship the Lord. There is no other way. You can try other things if you want. But we are created to worship the one true God, Jesus Christ. And if our worship is any less than that, not only do the people around us get a very bland, beige idea of what it means to follow Jesus, um, but without submitting to God, there's no power, there's no joy, there's no life in any of our Christian lives unless we choose to worship on a daily basis. And we too will have a beige, boring, powerless experience and we'll arrive back on a Sunday and think, I can't even remember. <laughs> I say that because it often happens to me. I've had a beige week, right? Maybe I need to preach to myself. Nothing wrong with beige. If you're wearing beige, great. But you know what I'm trying to say. But it's a dynamic, creative response to his first move to us. That's what worship is. To meet with us. A guy called John Piper says this. It begins with God's initiative. He reveals who he is and what he's like. 
And then by the grace of God, we see the revelation of his glory. We see it in past benefits and wonders. We see it in present mercies. And we see it in future promises. Well, there is always a sense of shortfall between our spiritual perception of the greatness of God and our spiritual affection in worshipping God. The intensity of the heart never seems uh, to add up to what his glory deserves. Basically, he reveals himself. We respond, but we're highly aware of our partial response with everything going on. But we, we are still to preach to ourselves until as much of our hearts as possible can respond in worship to him. And as men and women do that, we call all creation to worship. So what are the blessings? Good question, everyone. Um, the benefits, the blessings. Um, here are a few of them, uh, and we go on to hear a few more. I said 17. This is some of them. Uh, uh, forgiveness. He forgives all our sins. Uh, healing. He heals all your diseases. Redemption. He redeems your life from the pit. Love. He crowns you with love and compassion. Satisfaction. He satisfies your desires with good things. Renewal so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. As we live a life for God in submission to him, these are some of the benefits that we enjoy. So who is it that we adore? I'm literally saying what the psalm says now for the rest of this talk. We adore God who is righteous. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. We adore God who is gracious. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Maybe you need to hear of God's grace again this morning. We adore God who forgives. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us, our sin from us. We adore God who is compassionate. He shows great compassion, fatherly compassion. The kind of compassion that is Lily not my drink over in the worship this morning. I just picked her up. Well, that's a tiny little microcosm of what our Heavenly Father may think. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And then we remember who we are before him. It says, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are but dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. As we really take stock of his glory, we realise who we are. We are created, not creator. We're not God. And even when we're having, um, having to really call on our souls, our bodies, our minds to worship, still he has compassion on us. Still all these benefits are true. 
still all these things about him are true. Where we come and go literally like the grass of the field, and we all know it, where sometimes our devotion is a bit flaky, like the grass of the field too, the key is to remember his compassion, his fatherly compassion and mercy, his loving kindness. You see, we might be a bit flaky sometimes, but did you know that God isn't flaky? Just turn to your neighbour and say, God isn't flaky. It's always a good reminder. And maybe then say something, but sometimes I am. Or also, sometimes James is, if you don't think you are flaky, that's fine. It goes on. We're coming into land here uh, with what it means for us. But um, it goes like this. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. See, the Lord's love is the same from everlasting to everlasting. Don't you love that? It's just the same. I might have had a beige flaky wheat, but his love's not changed. I know this is not massive revelation for us, but maybe we need to hear it this morning. And I've been reflecting a little bit on, um, we've been talking about the 150th year of St. Barnabas a lot, because we're in that year, uh, and we're going to be celebrating that um, in June. Yeah, have to remember then. Um, but there's roughly 52 Sundays a year, roughly. Someone's going to correct me at the end, because it's Cambridge, but it's fine. Uh, 150 years, um, that is roughly 7,800 Sundays. Hold it in if I'm wrong, tell me at the end. The steadfast love of the Lord has been the same through all the changes of the last 150 years. At least. Let's talk about those 150 years, not alone the rest. God has been the same, meeting with his people in this place for 150 years, 7,800 Sundays. People's hearts have responded in worship and will continue to. As it says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. If you ever need a reminder, have a look at the window on your way out. It's the Lord on his throne. So I guess my question for us all in this year, this 150th year, what is your heart's response on this Sunday? The Lord is the same from everlasting to everlasting and has been meeting with his people for 7,800 Sundays, roughly. What is your response this morning to the Lord's greatness? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. In the Book of Common Prayer it says this, Adoration is the lifting of the heart and mind to God, asking nothing but to enjoy God's presence. So maybe this morning, as we already have, but in response, we join with that line of 150 years, 7,800 Sundays, and we praise the Lord and say that this 150th year is going to propel us to be people of praise, people who submit to the Lord, people who, who see the things of God that only he can do for maybe another 150 years. We'll be talking more like this over the next few months. So here's the invitation to us this morning. We're to turn our eyes to Jesus, to what he's done again for us, to remember who he is and to enjoy 
his presence. So shall we stand together? So we're going to respond in worship, but I'd, I'd like to pray uh, for us first, and then Anne will take us further. Um, but God, by his Holy Spirit this morning, is making the first move with us. And he invites us to respond. He says to us, and he's closer than the air that we breathe, he says to us, what can I do for you? So let's take a moment now and acknowledge his presence here with us. You may want to put your hands out before you as a sign of receiving, and often helps me, so that I don't look at my phone or someone else. Um, I sometimes close my eyes as well. Let's just wait a moment and turn our eyes to him.